The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Good to see you again. How are you today? You're good? So many familiar faces. There's Nathan and everyone's here. This is fantastic. If you don't know who I am, um, I was here for almost 12 years. We were, we were based out of here and, and, and obviously birthed the Your Dream Ministry, which I'll tell you a little bit of a couple of highlights about. But please, if you want to be official, you call me Darren. Um, if you want to put me on a power trip, call me Sir. But I'd like you to, if you want to be my friends, I'd like you to call me Dazza. All right. For those who don't know. And you can't just go Dazza, right? Because out west, you'll get hurt, all right? You've got to go Dazza. Even the girls can do it, right? You know, come on, ladies. Give it to me after three. One, two, three. See, so you guys, North Shore, you're Westies. That's all right. No, it's great to be back. It, it is really an honor um, to be here. And uh, when, when I was on a ride, John had uh, mentioned to me, he said, oh, could you... Um, come and come and speak sometime. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. But then I received the most scariest email ever. I got it from Pastor Helen because she said, John spoke to you about speaking, but it's actually for our missions conference. And I was like, okay, now I'm nervous because it's, you know, like it's one thing to speak on a Sunday, but it's another thing to speak, you know, whilst Helen is watching you, right? No. I love Pastor Helen. Actually, Pastor Helen, you've been a great inspiration to both Blinda and myself. You've taught us principles on how to raise children, and we've heard you and listened to you over the years, and, you know, just amazing uh, the influence that you've had over our lives. You really have, and I'm sure over many of us in this place, right? You know, Pastor Helen's doing a great job. She's powering on, man. You are a legend, and I love it. So give her a big hand. Give her a big hand. Now... Your Dream Incorporated was started here, and um, it was something that, um, you know, God just uh, both, it's amazing when you, when you have confirmation through, through those that you are accountable to, that they are saying the same thing as you. And, um, and that's what happened um, in 2007 when uh, Pastor John said, look, uh, you know, we, we just recognize the evangelistic gift on your life. We really want to see you released um, to the nation and nations of the world to, um, to speak to young people. And little did I know that from 2007 till now, seven years later, that we would see the kind of things that I'm about to tell you. Um, it really is quite extraordinary when we started out just as myself, going into some schools and talking to young people about living their dreams, all based out of the Bible. Um, I do the seminar not just um, under uh, Scripture or any type of religious education. I also do it mainly. In fact, probably 95% of what we do is under the welfare arm of the school. And um, essentially, we speak out of Habakkuk 2 verse 2, where it talks about write down the vision, write down the dream. And we go through the three things that the Bible, that God actually shows us as mankind on how to live our dreams. And, um, and it's just been um, unbelievable to say that um, it's been kind of mediocre in its, in its effect would be a complete understatement because we keep getting asked by the same schools to come back and then additionally other schools that hear about us. And so it's only growing. It's not getting um, any smaller. And uh, so what is your dream? Just very quickly on a breeze through this, just so for those who don't know, and also to update our supporters. I know that many of you are here today and we appreciate your support through both missions and direct giving. Um, 
But what is your dream incorporated? Well, it's a seminar. And um, it starts out as a, as a seminar. In 2007, it was an assembly. It's a one-hour style presentation. It focuses on the key youth issues. And we, we know these through the media. Uh, bullying, self-image, you know, uh, you know, you've got depression, you've got the whole lot there, making right choices, peer pressure, so forth. We usually have a musician, an artist, and um, a speaker, so namely me, but now I've got two other speakers that do it now, so there are schools that I don't even visit now, they, they go for me, and, um, and it's just uh, amazing to see a heart and a passion duplicated in, uh, in somebody else. Um, there's school tours right across Australia. Um, the aim is to host a program every year in 100 schools. So we believe um, that every year our benchmark is minimum 100 schools. And uh, that's both in primary and high school. See, the reality is seven years ago, we used to talk a lot about high schoolers losing their dream and, and really finding those dreams crushed. But now we're increasingly seeing it's already happened by the time they get to high school. So now we're talking in primary schools as well because the need is so great. So we do stage three of um, primary school, which is usually year five and six, sometimes year four. And, uh, and then we do, of course, all of high school. Now we're expanding into special uh, service schools and uh, juvenile justice schools. So uh, now they're saying, could you come in and, and speak to these young people who have obviously made the wrong choices and we need you to come in there and re-inspire them to live their dreams. So that's, that's um, a whole new thing that has kind of found us. And uh, we haven't gone and sorted or tried to find it. And uh, it's just, uh, it's growing. Our seminar for this year is, uh, is actually made and, and written by um, Matt Purcell, who was started as one of our artists, but now is a staff member. And um, he, um, he came up with The Real Rebel. And uh, it's just a, a fantastic seminar. It really emphasizes our, our core beliefs and what we, what we see young people being able to do. And then uh, we're, oh, I've already said that we're, we're expanding into special services and so forth. Um, basically, we're now going to a whole new area. And it's um, basically called chaplaincy, so school chaplaincy and student welfare workers. And um, these are, uh, well, it was actually initiated by the federal government. And, uh, and it's through funding that's available to place workers in schools. Now, that came looking for us. We didn't go looking for this. Uh, it was something that through the Department of Education hearing about our program, they invited me to Canberra a couple of times. And just in those conversations, they said, you fit the bill. You should become a funding recipient. That's what they call us. And uh, as a result, we started off with, uh, we grew from four workers in eight schools in 2012 to 14 workers across 20 schools and already this year we have the potential so on Tuesday I'm signing up three more schools and um, and then we've got another 10 through um, community funded program right so this is the, the strategy that we're rolling out we're both local churches um, we've, we've even got councils we've got local businesses um, that are actually sponsoring for a student welfare worker to go into a school so amazing is this response I mean you know like I last year I, I had a prayer that my prayer was that God if you could double us I'd love to double us, double our effectiveness in schools and and who knows that you know sometimes those types of prayers should be not said to God, because sometimes he'll just take your double and he says, I'll increase that, right? And um, so in the space of one year, we not only doubled, but now within six months, we're potentially looking like we're going to be three times larger than we were, you know, when we started. And we're just going, this is crazy. It's getting out of hand. In fact, so much so that the, um, the director of DWA and his assistant flew up and uh, met with us wanted to find out how we're doing it. Like they looked at us with me and my two staff that oversee all of our workers and they said, how do you do it? 
and they audited us to make sure we did everything right and we got the tick of approval and we just sat there and said, oh, look, I don't know how we do it. We just basically, these guys look after this and these guys look after that and we just want to serve schools and they just cannot believe it. It's been so amazing that just in one school scenario, I actually had a principal say to me, the churches, like he was, he didn't say it like this bluntly, but he just basically said the church won't be able to raise a day. Like it's just, you know, it can't be done. And, um, and he said that through a long conversation, but that's what I got. Now, I know the church. I've grown up in the church, amen? I love the church. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, we can do this, right? Like, no worries. I don't care what church it is, where it's from, whether it be the North Shore, whether it be out west, whether it be in a country area. Now, I was speaking to a principal in a country area, and I said to him, don't worry about the churches. They will make it happen. Well, I had great glee in calling up that principal only on the Tuesday after the Sunday that the pastor put it out to his service. And not only did they raise a day, but they almost raised an entire full day, uh, two, two full days of support for their worker, right, that they're going to be placing in the school. And if that's not already cool enough, is that the principal then said to me during the meeting when I'm signing it up, he says, of course the churches came up with two days. He says, I've spoken to local council and we as a school are going to put in the budget and we are going to put three days on top of your two. So we've got a worker that's going to start full time, right? Now this is unprecedented, right? So I've met with other uh, funding recipients and they just go, how do you do it? And I'm like, so I've got the Department of Education asking, how do you do it? And I've got other funding recipients like us saying, how do you do it? I can only say that it is just God that's in control. And I, I seriously, friend, I can't, I don't want to make that sound uh, almost flippant um, about that comment. It is genuinely, seriously and sincerely, God is in control. And isn't it amazing that that all that seed started here in North Shore, started here in our family church here. And so as a result, um, as Pastor John's already alluded to, is that, you know, since we started, we've presented in over 550 schools, our seminar. That means that we've reached um, almost 400,000 students across um, Australia. And we've, we've grown from employing... Um, Four, uh, sorry, four chaplains to 14 chaplains, and that's going to be continuing to grow just in this week coming. We have uh, launched two years ago our first leadership seminar. So this is something that schools really desire is, is really just seeing leadership developed in their, in their student leaders. And um, we had almost 200 turn up to our first one, 15 different schools that were in attendance. Now, Ivan Ang was a, a great um, you know, key player in that. In fact, one of our speakers who smashed a um, powder ball, a golf ball that exploded into the crowd. And it was quite spectacular to watch. And uh, uh, that was just awesome. So we've got principals now saying, when are you doing your next um, leadership summit? We want you to come. So we had 15 schools in the first one. Now we're expecting, plus our 20-plus schools, we're expecting 30 to 40 schools to send their students to our, our leadership summit. So it is just, it's just growing exponentially. Since um, we've been here, we now have five albums that are, that are being produced. You've got Volume 1, so Your Dream Volume 1, 2, and 3, and also Genesis and Hope, which are our worship albums. And I'm happy to say, church, that I am not once on any of those music CDs. I promise you, because see, when I sing, things die, right? That's why there are no plants in this building right now. I ask them to remove them because I will kill them by singing. No, no, no. Uh, so I, I do what I'm good at, which is just speaking, and that's what I do. But, uh, but we've seen just, I mean, just to keep you, I don't want to keep you any longer on that, but it, it is just amazing. And, and North Shore, it came from you. It came from your seed. 
and there is favor and blessing on you. And, uh, and I want to, uh, this morning, just share a message which um, I need to give credit where credit's due, is that when I was on one of my rides, the same ride that Pastor John uh, took me out for Valentine's dinner, it was really quite a little bit awkward, but we just didn't want to talk about it. You know, it's like, it's just a normal night to us, you know. But, uh, but you know, during that ride on our motorbikes, um, I remember that Pastor John just said something, it just stuck with me. And it's something that I've not actually um, um, let go. I just can't get it out of my head. I just love this. So I want to share this this morning. So uh, if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or iPads or Galaxy tabs or whatever you've got, if you've got the paper version, that would be amazing too. And uh, I'm going to ask you to open up very quickly to Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen. But I'm going to pray for you while you turn there. Father, I do thank you that your presence is here today. And God, I pray that this morning, despite my own weaknesses and failings, God, I pray that despite all of that, my humanity, God, that your Holy Spirit would just have your way in this place. God, I pray that it would inspire us, your word. Lord, that your word would compel us and your word would encourage us to continue to grow in you, the plan that you have for each and every one of us. So God, I pray that this morning we'd have some fun, but we want your word to speak into our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, lots of things happen out in um, Penrith, you know, like on our way here, we had to get our passports out and um, at each of the tolls, they stamped it. That's what they do, right? You know, when you go through customs, they charge you an entrance fee, you know, for us to come here. There was an entrance fee and, uh, but they let us in. They're pretty happy with that. But lots happen in Penrith. It really does. You know, uh, I grew up out in Penrith in Blacktown and, um, and there was this car yard that constantly used to always have one of those huge, big, giant gorillas on its roof. Now, I don't know what that's meant to do. I don't know if that's meant to somehow subliminally make me want to buy a car there. I'm not sure, right? The big gorilla must buy a car. I don't know. But, um, but King Kong actually took out all of North Penrith, where we live. And um, all of Waterside, where our little uh, development is, it is, it was all blacked out. Because when we had all those winds about a month or two ago, um, good old King Kong got blown onto the power lines. And uh, King Kong literally took out all of North Penrith, right? Just took it out. We were in the dark ages and uh, no internet, no nothing, right? It was just a complete blackout. And uh, so it's very, very, it's, it's quite exciting in, uh, in Penrith. Uh, it's, um, it's exciting and, and we enjoy it. My wife and I, Belinda, are um, the service pastors of uh, one of the Hillsong Extension services. We look after the 9 a.m. service. So uh, we don't do, we just don't do your dream. We actually do other things too. It's just crazy, isn't it? Like God just keeps giving you more and more. But um, but it's certainly it's it's fantastic to be here today. And so today I want to talk to you about streams and seasons. And this is the word that even John, John just a little comment just it just stuck in my heart. And I want to just share with you what the Holy Spirit put on my heart. In Jeremiah seventeen verse seven, the Bible says he is blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the person. The individual that trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. I mean, we could spend an entire series just on those two sentences of that first verse. Just amazing that blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And then the Bible goes on to say, For they shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and it will... Fear not, or sorry, it will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious 
in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. This, this verse is just amazing in itself in that here is the person whose reliance and trust is in God. And the Bible says that that person, if they truly are reliant and trusting God, the Bible says that they're like a tree that's planted near or on the waters. And the Bible says that despite the seasons... Now, who knows, friends, we go through seasons, amen? You know, like, you know, sometimes we have an incredible breakthrough over our life and maybe through our workplace or our family and our relationships. I'm talking about in every area. I'm not just talking about finance. I'm talking about every area, in our health, in everything. But then there are seasons in our life where we seem to, you know, start to struggle a little bit. But the Bible says here is that those whose trust is in God, the Bible says that they will, those three words right at the end, they, they will, sorry, there's four, but they will yield fruit. Yield fruit. Now, it doesn't say quantitatively. It doesn't say that they will, just like the year before, have just as much and above and beyond. It just says that they will yield fruit. See, that's an amazing thought in itself. See, it's not about the season I'm in. It's about where I'm planted, right? So if I'm planted by God and near God, and He is my source, then I will produce fruit. I will produce fruit. It may not be as much as last year. It may not be as much as two years ago or three years ago, but I will produce fruit. So there's a warning there too, is that if I'm not producing fruit, if I'm not yielding fruit in my life, whether it be in my finance, in in various areas of my life, whatever it is, if I'm not producing fruit, then maybe I just need to ask, where am I planted? So maybe I need to get closer to God. So that's the only warning there. But ultimately, the Bible says, whose heart is after God. If you are are after God, the Bible says that you will produce fruit. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you go. If your heart is planted in the right place, in God's place, the Bible says that you will produce fruit. I remember as, you know, uh, 2007, I remember that John... Uh, just through a meeting. Isn't it funny how like you know when God is going to do something and you just have this thing on your heart and you know that something's going to happen today. You ever had that feeling? You know, that, that feeling where you just go, something's going to happen today. You know, I was coming to work and I knew that something was going to happen. And I remember that just over a coffee, I remember that John said to me, he says, I want you to, you know, we want to we work at ways of getting you into schools more, getting, getting, you, getting you out. We don't want to just contain you here in the North Shore. We want to release you. It was almost like, um, you know, the moment when Peter was in the boat and Jesus is walking on water. You remember that? And Jesus says, you know, uh, sorry, Peter yells out first. He says, uh, hey, if it's you, Jesus, can you call me forth? What a stupid question. What a ridiculous comment to the, to the king of the world. Okay, like he's walking on water. Why would you ask him that? Of course, he's going to say, come. Excellent. Glad you asked. I was going to tell you, but you asked, so come. And the Bible says that Peter gets out of the boat. Now, I don't know how reluctantly. It doesn't really go into it. But ultimately, he gets out on the water, and he sinks a little bit. But Jesus has to you know, kind of come up, and immediately he saves him, right? Pulls him back up. But I was not like that. I wish I could say that, but I wasn't. I remember when John was saying, you know, and the process was in place. I remember I was the dude holding onto the side of the boat, kicking and screaming, just going, no, I don't want to go. Why? Because it's North Shore. It's the land of milk and honey, man. Come on. It's the land of Mars bars and cafe lattes, right? You know, I thought this is where I want to be. But, you know, I just remember that when we started to make the steps, our heart was planted in the right place. Our source was God. 
And it was him only. It was like, God, you're going to make this work. I'll sink or swim. I don't care, but God, I'm going to do it. And as a result, I've seen something extraordinary. In 1 Kings 17, is a great story. I won't read it all now, but I want you to read it later on. Maybe take it down in your notes and, and reflect on it later. But in verse 1 to 16 of this chapter of, of, of uh, 17 of 1 Kings is an amazing story of Elijah. Now, Elijah, lots of us know, just even you've been around church long enough, you'd know already, you go, oh, I remember this story, this guy, Elijah, you know, he called down fire on Mount Carmel, and it was just an amazing sort of spectacle. But I actually don't even want to focus on that moment. I want to actually go back to the point where the Bible says that Elijah was just a normal, average prophet. Now, we know that he was not just the only prophet. There were hundreds of them, in fact. In uh, 1 Kings 18, you actually find out that um, one of the guys that was looking out for the prophets actually hid a hundred of them, 50 in each cave, in two caves. And he f- hid 50 in one and 50 in the other in the hope that if one got found out that at least they'd have 50 others, right? So he, there, were, there were many, many prophets. Now, Elijah was part of this profession. It was a, it was a p- place in society and it had its place. And, and the Bible shows me here is that Elijah is called by God to, to leave that which he knows into something new. What was he called to go into? Well, for those who know this story, and if you don't and you'll read it later, I'll just kind of paraphrase it. The Bible says that God calls him and says, I want you to get now go from this place where you know how it is, you've been operating in it, you've done well, you know, you've been looked after, but now I want you to go from this thing to the next stream. And the next stream I want you to go to is the brook of Cherith. Now, the Bible says that the, the brook of Cherith, the word Cherith actually means cutting away. So it was God cutting Elijah away from that which he knew, which he was accustomed to, and was actually taking him to a whole different place. Now, God does not move us for no reason at all. He moves us because he wants us to grow. He wants us to continue to move forward in life. Amen? Amen? That's what he wants, because he doesn't want you to just stay, you know, stagnated and and, and stale and in the same place you were 10 years ago. We're not talking about geography. We're talking about within your heart, right? There's, he wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. And so Elijah was taken from one thing to another, one stream to another. He knew that stream. And that first stream is what I call the stream of your own gifts and abilities. Now, friends, this is Christianity 101 is that we need to actually learn first how to serve God with what we already know, right? So our own gifts and abilities. For Elijah, he was a prophet. He knew how to be a prophet. He knew the skills and the tasks and the things that were required of a prophet. He knew what to do. Now, he served God with that. Now, we don't see a lot of it, but we assume that he passed the test is that he had used his own gifts and abilities. Friends, each of us in this room, maybe you're a plumber, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're an accountant, wherever you are, whatever God has given you to be your gifts, talents, and abilities, this is Christianity 101, that you can just serve God with what you know you can do. You don't really need the supernatural power of God on your life to do it. Why? Because you can just do numbers well or you can fix pipes well, or you can teach kids well. Whatever it is, these are just your natural gifts and abilities. Now, the thing that scares me most is I actually find Christians that actually get stuck in that one. They don't progress to the next stream. Like Elijah was then asked by God, okay, you're good at that. You're great at that. Now I want you to go to the new thing. What was the new thing? I'm going to cut you away, take you to the brook of Cherith. And at the brook of Cherith, you're going to do nothing. Wow. Some of you are going, what? That sounds cool. No, it's, it's just going to, you're just going to trust in God. 
That's all you're going to do. I just want you to go here and trust me. Here's a brook. You'll drink from it. Think of it as Diet Coke or whatever you need, Pepsi, whatever you need to think of. No, it wouldn't have been back then, of course. But think of it, whatever you need. This brook will give you sustenance, will give you hydration. That's it. And for food, I'm going to command the ravens to bring you meat and bread. Now, I don't know about you, friend, but there was no OH&S and no standards back then. Can you ima- Did anyone ask, where have those claws been, man? I'm not sure if I want to eat that piece of meat. Where have those fingers been? I mean, that's just all nasty stuff, if you ask me. But ultimately, the Bible says that for a long time, God provided to Elijah meat and bread, morning and evening, and this brook. So he's just drinking from the brook, eating meat and bread. Maybe he was making a Big Mac, who knows, right? But he's, he's eating meat and bread. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen many, many Christians who get stuck at the first stream, but then they move to the second stream and they get stuck there too. They get complacent. They get happy with the fact that God is providing. Now, this second stream is what I call the stream of the supernatural. Now, what do I mean by that? We've got the first stream, is, which is the stream of your own gifts and, and talents and abilities. But the second stream is the stream of the supernatural. What it is, is God taking the natural and with him in the equation, it becomes the supernatural. It's the, it's, it's, if you like, and, and maybe you can understand this a bit easier, is that it is, it is the ordinary with the little bit extra. It's the God factor in the ordinary, and then it makes it the extraordinary. Now, if I was to ask you who wants to be in the supernatural, who wants to live the extraordinary life, we'd all be like, yes, I do. But do you know that this is not the best stream to be camped at? This is actually not the one that God wanted Elijah to camp at and stay at, and that was the end of the story. No, there's a much better stream to come. And so I want to encourage you today that it's not about just you being the normal person with your own gifts and talents and abilities, but there is a God out there that wants to come into your circumstance, and he wants to come into your situation. He wants to take those gifts and talents and abilities, and he wants to invigorate them. He wants to make them supernatural. Isn't it amazing the word extraordinary? It's not the other way around. It's not ordinary extra. It's extraordinary. Why? Because the little bit extra in our life is actually God at the front. God first, and he makes it extraordinary. In your life, I encourage you that this second stream, it's the, it's, the, it's the stream of supernatural. It's the stream of the extraordinary. But church, I want to say to you that there's, some, there's a place that's better. How did God announce this? Well, we see it in the scriptures. We actually see that God says to him, now I want you to leave this place. Now, how did he do that? He dried the stream up. What a nice God. Thanks very much. Now I'm thirsty, right? Because ultimately, Elijah probably would have just stayed there. He would have gone, you know, I like the bread. I've grown accustomed to the meat. I'm happy with the brook. It's got a kind of a nice mineral taste. I'm happy with it. But yet God says, no, I want to move you on. So he dries it all up. The ravens stop bringing the food. There's no more, there's no more brook. It's all dried up. See, the first stream is the stream of you. It's your abilities, your giftings. The second stream is you and God. God and you working together. But the third stream, which is what I want to get to this morning, we're going to finish with this, is that it's not just the stream of you and God. It's actually the stream of you, God, and others. See, Elijah was called from the brook of Cherith. Now, for you and me, it doesn't sound so cool, but he was happy there. It doesn't say he whinged, complained, or moaned. He was happy with it. 
But the Bible says that he was then told to go to the city of Zarephath. Now, Zarephath actually means something. The Bible says when you actually get that in Hebrew and you translate it, it basically means smelting place. It's the, it's the process of getting the raw ore or the, uh, or the material from the earth, and they would heat it up and heat it up. And every time they heat it up, all the impurities had come to the, come to the top. They'd scrape it off, and you'd think, that'd be it. That'd be over now. Thanks very much, God. I'm hot enough now. You've dealt with enough attitude in my life. No, then God just goes, okay, we'll turn it up even more. And more stuff comes out of our life. Well, this is the place that God actually calls Elijah. He says, I want you to go to Zarephath because I have some things I want to deal with in your life. It's not about just you anymore, Elijah. It's not about just you and me, Elijah. But it's something I want to show you. I want to model to you. And I want to show you the blessing and the incredible favor that can come on your life when you start to include others. You know, Henry Ford says this. He says, coming together is a beginning. He says, keeping together is the progress, is progress. He says, working together is success. I see in this scripture where Elijah is told to leave the ravens, the bread and the meat and the brook. And and God says, great, I'm going to send you to Zarephath. The Bible says that Zarephath, there awaiting him, was a rich ruler, a person who was a millionaire, who had so much wealth and and was going to be able to provide for all of Elijah's needs. Is that what it says? No. God says, I'm going to take you to a place where there's a widow. And not only a widow, but a widow in a lot of need. In fact, when Elijah turns up, the, the, uh, the situation becomes even more dire. He sees not only this widow, but when he meets her, she says, oh, please don't hassle us. We, we have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And what we're doing, me and my child, we are going to prepare our last meal and then die. Wow. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> who, would, who would like that to be your provision in your life? You know, some of you are going, nah, not me. Well, neither was Elijah. But the Bible says through a series of events, the supernatural occurred. And even beyond the supernatural, something happened which was so beautiful. It was called unity. And God was showing us yet again through the life of Elijah that it's not just about you and God, even though that's starting blocks. It's about you and others and God. See, if we can together, the Bible says this in a, so, so succinctly in another, another verse, the Bible says that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. He doesn't suggest or think that it's a good idea or say where there's unity, this is the first ingredient for blessing and favor. No, he says where there is unity, I command a blessing. And I want to say to you today that Elijah showed this, is that he went to the widow and she, he saw the issues that she was facing. She, he saw the dire situation and she didn't know what was going to happen either. But yet through that, God did an incredible miracle working through a widow. God's answer will always come for those. What did we read in the first verse? Is whenever someone is planted by the waters, whose heart is in the right place, God will always bring about fruit. Always. Doesn't matter how impossible it looks. God will never ask us to do the possible church. Never. God will never ask you to step out and do something that is possible. That's just easy. You don't need him for that. God will only ever speak to us and ask us to do the impossible. The impossible. 
See, I want to encourage you today that as a church that this is how we can practically step into that third stream. As the, as the musicians start to come, when we step into that third stream, we go from the first stream of self, of just, you know, my own gifts, talents, and abilities. I go to the second stream that Elijah visited. I go to the supernatural. It's where God takes the natural, me, and he he comes into the equation and it becomes the supernatural. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. But then the third stream is oh so much better. It's because we start to break into partnership. We start to break into unity. We start to do something that we can't do by ourselves. We start to impact millions and millions of people. We start to see almost 500,000 young people encouraged to live their dreams. You know, I've received emails from students who are now lawyers, students that are now teachers, parents, raising families. And these people email me still after I've done their seminar in their school about six, seven years ago. And they write me an email and they say, you may not remember me. You may not know our school. I'll remember. I've got the list of every single school I've ever been in. And they say, we just want to thank you for helping me live that dream. Do you know that that's what we did when we together stepped into that third stream as a church. And we said, we're going to do something we can't do by ourselves. Not one of us can do it by ourselves, but we're going to do it together. Do you know how we practically do that? We grab a simple card, right? This one, this one right here. It's on, near, or under your seat. I want you to grab it. And the reason why is because no matter where you're from, no matter what your circumstance may be right now, all of us have the opportunity to partner, to step into the third stream, to partner together, to do something extraordinary. You know, isn't it amazing, and I don't think it was coincidence, that God would send a prophet, someone who was well-established in the community, and to show him that the source of what God was going to do through his life was a widow. I think God was trying to show something. It doesn't matter where it is. Whatever I call you to do, I will always allow you to yield fruit. As a young boy growing up in church, I remember that I witnessed the first transformation of a church that went from being a church that did missions to a church that became a missions church. The second time I experienced that was here at North Shore Christian Center when I was the youth pastor. And I saw the change in the transformation of a church that did missions to a church that became a missions church. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 